So I think, as I think about you seniors that are graduating and going off to college, you are literally going. You're going. It's, it's kind of laid out before you, and uh, you're going to a new place. And, and my prayer for you is that uh, as, as I challenge you today in thinking about this question that is posed to us on the front of our worship folder, that you see yourself as an active part of Jesus' mission on the earth. And that is to seek and save the lost, those friends that you will make in college, those friends that you will make in the word workplace, who, who need Jesus. And that we as a church continue this challenge that we've heard over the course of the last three weeks to not just know more, to not just be concerned about ourselves, but to be having those conversations and planting those seeds in the lives of those people who are around us as we seek to also make disciples as Jesus has called us to. Now, I mean, I think about, Caden, uh, your uh, cybersecurity. Um, you know, 10 years ago, I'm not even sure that existed. 25 for sure. Uh, you know, I, I was just visiting with a fellow classmate from college uh, and uh, thinking about how old we are. And, uh, you know, I mean, cell phones didn't exist. Computers barely existed when we uh, were heading into, uh, into college. And uh, my how times have changed, right? Um, but my how they have stayed the same <laughs> in, in the same way. Um, for, for the first time in many years, uh, a, a gentleman traveled to uh, the city from his rural town to attend a movie. You know, he'd heard about... Uh, the Endgame, Avengers Endgame, and wanted to go see it. So, so he went to the theater and he decided after buying his ticket that he was going to stop at the concession stand and purchase some popcorn. And handing the attendant $11.50 for his popcorn, uh, he couldn't help but comment, the last time I went to a movie, popcorn was only 15 cents. <laughs> to which the attendant replied with a grin, well, you're really going to enjoy yourself then. We have sound now. <laughs> you know, one of the biggest questions that we ask in life has really not changed over the years. In fact, some of us adults continue to ask this question on a daily basis, and that question is, what is God's will for my life? What does he want me to do? Because, and, and we think that there is an absolute right and an absolute wrong answer to that question, and we fear making the wrong decision. And, and I know you students who are moving into college, now everybody up here seems to be pretty emphatic, this is what I'm doing, this is where I'm going, and, and I want to congratulate you on having made a decision. Now, know that that decision could change in the next semester, or two, or three, or four, as it was for me in my sophomore year, deciding that I didn't want to sit behind a desk the rest of my life, that I needed to do something different, got my degree to be a school teacher, and then never did that. <laughs> but God has used every step of the way, and every decision I made, and everything he taught me to prepare me for what I do today. So though I decided to do this and I decided to do that, and they seemed like maybe a waste of time or whatever, they really weren't because God was moving and, and acting in that. And, uh, and I think we're going to see that today. Uh, again, questions that we ask ourselves. What should I do? Where should I go to college? Um, which one? Should I get a job? If so, where? God, what is your will for my life. How many of us in this room sometime in your life, by a show of a raise of hands, have asked that question to somebody or out loud? Raise your hands. A 
Okay, now everybody that didn't raise your hand, raise your hand. I don't think you're being honest with us here. I, I, I think that we all ask that question. And, and I think that sometime in our life we've been paralyzed by that question. And, and too often we find ourselves just standing still in life, not moving anywhere, doing anything, because we're, we're afraid that if we make the wrong decision, um, that somehow God is going to smite us. And, and I think we're going to see today that, um, that that's not the case. And I want to say right off the bat here this morning that I do believe, though what I'm going to say, um, I do believe that there are times in our life when God has something very specific that he wants us to do. I, I believe that with all of my heart, but I also believe that when, when there is that thing, that mission, that decision, God is, is very clear. He, the answer is very clear. We know that this, though this is a, uh, an incredibly seems impossible thing or scary thing, we know that, that, that God has confirmed that in our heart through his spirit, that this is what he wants me to do. But I also believe that in general, God's will for us is more an open road, more, more general than very specific. Sometimes we think, well, if I don't decide to do this, I'm going to fall in the ditch and I'm going to be stuck. And we think that the will of God for our life is this narrow, razor-edged streak of decisions that we just absolutely have to get right. And I don't think it's that way. I mean, you may disagree, and we may have conversation later, and you convince me, but, but hear me out this morning, and let's just see how we conclude together at the end. Uh, I think the Bible is very clear on this subject, and no matter where we live, no matter what we are doing, no matter uh, how or who we have in our circles of influence, when we follow Jesus in these three areas, graduates, adults, grandparents, all of us, we will be following God's will for our life. So no matter where we are, no matter how old we are, no matter how young we are or what our current job is, we can know and follow God's will. We can know and follow God's will for our life. So first of all, it's God's will, number 1, that none should perish. It's God's will that none sh should perish. We have a sin problem in this world. Every one of us, ever since the fall of man and woman in the Garden of Eden, we have had this condition that we need to be rescued from. All of us. No one is exempt from this. Except for one. Of course, that was Jesus. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short. That word all is all-inclusive, and it's God's will that we all come to repentance. And he describes this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Sometimes when we're trying to make a decision, it feels like that. It's like, come on, God, help me out here. But it says here, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So it's God's will that none should perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And what he did in order to make this possible is nothing short of amazing. I mean, I'm so grateful for Jesus and what he did. 
He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance and what he did in order to make this possible. What a gift. What a savior we have in Jesus. Romans 5.8 says that, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. Not after we cleaned our act up, Not after we knew exactly what we were supposed to do, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, think about that. What a friend we have in Jesus. You know, uh, it's been said that someone might die for someone if they love them, but would somebody really die for an enemy? Jesus did, because that enemy was you and me. We all needed him. Um, that's what Jesus did. We deserve that death. Uh, I, saw, I saw on Facebook this morning that there isn't anything free in life, that there's nothing free. Somebody, someone had to pay for that. You may receive it free, but it was paid for in some way, shape, or form, and that's what salvation is. Jesus paid the price. We deserve that death. He took that upon himself. We don't deserve forgiveness and redemption and and reconciliation with a perfect, all-powerful creator, but that's exactly what we have because Jesus. Because Jesus. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus our Lord. And a question for you graduates, a question for everyone of us who are here today, who are watching or listening online is this. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you heard him call to you? Because he wishes, he wishes, it's his will that none should perish. He's done what is required. He's, he's calling you. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you given up everything to him? You seniors, I know you have grand plans and you have grand goals and you have wishes and you have wants. Have you surrendered even those to Jesus? Because when you do, he will guide you through that process. Are you following Jesus? Where are you today? This is for all of us, not just for those who, whose graduations we're celebrating today. And this is a major part within God's will for you and me, that we would surrender to him. His will for us is that no one perish but come to repentance. It's God's will that none should perish. Next, number two. It's God's will that we follow him no matter what. This is one of the hardest ones that any of us face in life. It is God's will that we follow him no matter what. You know, as a culture, we have slowly grown disloyal. We wouldn't necessarily describe it that way, but we are notorious for sticking with someone as long as it benefits us. I will support this company. I will stay with them as long as they don't do anything that offends me or hurts me or I feel like I've been slighted in any way. And at the first blush of that, I'm out of here. Right? I mean, that is consumerism at its core. I just recently changed internet providers. 
Right. Wow. I was lo- I'm telling you, I was loyal to this company that I was with. I talked about them for a long time. I stuck with them even through the last year, hoping that they would get their act together. So I feel like, you know, after 23 years, but we don't generally wait 23 years, do we? Right? I mean, and, and, and that's, that's the way our culture operates. That's the way a, a, a consumer mentality works. And that, unfortunately, even spills into the church and, and our relationships that we have with people. I'm all fine and good until, and I'm out of here. Or I'm with you as long as you never let me down. And, and we, we get conditioned that way, and we begin to live our life that way, and, and it becomes easier for us to just sort of, sort of walk away. Or, you know, we follow as long as it's easy. All of those people that, that left Jesus that one day when he gave them this really difficult teaching, and the only ones who were left were the twelve, right? It says right there in that gospel that, that they left because the teaching was just too hard, and Jesus t- turned to the disciples and said, are you guys going to leave too? And their response to him was perfect. It's what our response to him needs to be. Lord, where else, where else would we go? You are the Christ. This is, this is about you. I mean, they were, they were beginning to really get it in that moment in time as Jesus was discipling them. Or, or I will obey you when it benefits me or makes my life easier, but, you know, I just want to do my own thing. You know, uh, what did Jesus say the greatest commandment is? It's up here on the screen, Luke chapter 10, verse 27. He answered this. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind. And the second one is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that's graduates, adults, that's, that's it right there. That is, that's God's will for us. And you know what? We can do that whether we're a janitor or a pilot or a school teacher or a farmer or a rancher or whatever it is that you do. You can today be in the center of God's will in following him no matter what. There are no conditions in that verse there. There's no love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind as long as it benefits you, as long as it isn't hard. No, this is an all in all circumstance commitment. And it's really hard. It is really hard. Because when you just scratched for the third time in jumping, trying to jump a great distance, or you just lost a game when you felt like you were slighted by the officials, or whatever it is, a boss treats you unfairly, whatever it is, you know what? We have got to follow Jesus no matter no matter what. And we have to make that decision today in this room or in a place before we get into that situation where the pressure comes on and the injustice, the unjust thing is done to us because if we haven't, we may just do whatever feels like it and that has grave ramifications more often than not. 
Another place that I think maybe we all kind of think that, that it, it would be hard to follow Jesus uh, consistently would be in Hollywood. I mean, I, I came across this article about uh, Neil McDonough, and maybe you know who he is, maybe you don't know who he is, maybe you recognize him, maybe you don't. Um, he played Lieutenant Lynn Buck Compton in the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers, which I didn't see. Um, he also appeared in films like Star Trek First Contact, Minority Report, Walking Tall, um, Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2. He was also Damien Dark on Arrow and in Legends of Tomorrow, which are the two that I know him from. He's, been co- he, he's, he's, played a, he's voiced over a variety of comic superheroes and, and villains. He plays a really good villain, actually. Um, but I read this this week, and I, I was dumbfounded because I didn't even think it was possible for someone to hold to this value and, and somehow succeed in Hollywood. But here's the thing. Um, Neil McDonough, there are things that he simply won't do. Like kiss any woman other than his wife even though it got him fired, which it did from a TV show. They, they wanted him to be in some steamy situations and to kiss somebody other than his wife. And you know what he said? Not going to do it. Um, they say that he probably lost a million dollars by getting kicked off of the show that he was supposed to. And, and sometimes when we think, we think I would, I, oh, I would certainly hold to my value there. If you were, if, if you were staring a million, giving up a million dollars, what decision would you make before you pass judgment on anybody when the pressure is on, when there's this maybe tweak a rule or just, just sort of not think about one or in kind of do our own thing? Are we going to follow Jesus no matter what or are we going to give in to this thing that we think would benefit us? And it's a great challenge and it will especially be challenging to you students who are going off to college. No more mom and dad to tell you when to go to bed, what to eat, any of that. What friends to have or not have, who to hang out with, be careful with this. It's going to be up to you to make those decisions. And when I think about you following the will of God, this is the immediate thing that comes to mind. It's, your, it's, it's one of your main primaries as you go off to college. He did it. And, and this is something that we as Christians face every day. The cost of following Jesus, because there is a cost. Uh, we saw that a few weeks ago, Matthew 16, 24, and 25. Jesus said this to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And remember, as we learned, that statement right there isn't just some sort of discomfort thing. When Jesus was talking to the disciples, the only cross they knew was an instrument of death and torture. And Jesus is saying, hey, look, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. I won't kiss any other woman because these lips are meant for one woman, Neil McDonough explained. It hurt his reputation. It hurt his industry. He said it was a horrible situation for me. After that, I couldn't get a job because everyone thought I was this religious zealot. And he said, I am very religious. I put God and family first and me second. That's what I live by. It was very hard for a few years. Now, he did finally find work, but yet he maintained his honor 
and his commitment to his wife of 16 years, uh, it got tough for a while. But he said his career has been phenomenal ever since. It's God's will that we follow him no matter what. Please turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible, look under the seat in front of you or holler at somebody behind you to snag one for you and hand one up. Philippians chapter 4. Verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is talking about how to live with grace and peace. Paul is talking about daily decision-making. We are to put these things into practice, he says, all of the time. And as we do, we are doing God's will. We are living in God's will. It's not rocket science, I don't think. Paul says do what? What is the word? Whatever. Do whatever. Now, certainly there are qualifiers to that in here, right? Whatever is noble, whatever is right, etc., etc., etc. Yes, be wise and thoughtful and prayerful as you try to decide what to do, but as Will Rogers said, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. Do something. And listen to Paul and make sure that that something, that that whatever, is in the direction of following Jesus step by step. Now, if you should find yourself at the bottom of the barrel or a string of bad decisions and you just wonder if God loves you and if he could forgive you, um, I want to remind us of what Jesus said to the disciples, the very last words, in fact, that he said to them, what, what was it? I will what? Be with you to when? The very end of the age. Jesus also said in another place, I will never forsake you or leave you. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus told the disciples he would be with them for how long? Forever, right? To the very end of the age. He will, in fact, never leave us nor forsake us, no matter what. It's God's will that none should perish. And he chooses to include us as a part of that mission to the world. It's God's will that we follow Jesus no matter what. And number three, it's God's will that we help others follow Jesus. Jesus gives us our mission orders when he addresses the disciples. Remember that first thing that he said to the disciples? Come follow me and what? I will make you promise 
Result, fishers of men. You, I want you to be an act. You, you disciples, I want you guys to be an active part of my mission to the earth. And he spent three years investing in them, investing in them, watching them fail, watching Peter stick his foot in his mouth, forgiving them, growing them. And then in that last moment on that last day, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, therefore go, you guys that I chose three years ago who followed me, I told you I would make you fishers of men. In Matthew chapter 28, he's saying, go fish. Go fish. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. This point here, it's God's will that we help others follow Jesus, is, is both about us following no matter what and helping others to do the same. Because when we don't follow no matter what, others see that. And they go, I'm kind of seeing some inconsistencies here. And, and again, we are going to fail, but, but when we do, we, we confess, we repent of that, and we, we go on. Now, you also know, and I've said this before, that it has to be real in our lives first. You know, we can't just, you can't just tell your kids how they should act and then not act that way when you go to the grocery store as an adult, right? Um, you see, the phrase I like to use as, is that it can't happen through you until it happens to you. It has to be real in our lives before we can help others follow. But as it is real in our lives, then we are able to help others follow. Look, look at your Connect card again, if you will. And I didn't mention that at the end of the service, when we take up the morning offering, is a good time for you to put those in. Uh, <clears throat> but look on that side for my next steps today. And it says uh, something to the effect of taking the challenge, right? I am taking the challenge. Please pray for me. Last week, I challenged us all to, to, uh, to think of two people who we could help follow Jesus. One person in the church, one person outside of the church, who we could take an active role in helping them follow Jesus. Making disciples. Also knowing that we ourselves need that person in our life, no matter what age we are, no matter how mature we think we are, we need that person in our life who continues to help us be a disciple. But I wonder if maybe as you thought about it, as you prayed about it this week, you decided, yes, you, ha you put two names to that uh, note sheet from last week, but you didn't get a chance to mark it on your Connect card. Um, those of you that did mark it on your Connect card, you know that we're, we're praying for you. And that if you have any questions or you get hung up on something, give me a call. Give one of the pastors a call. If you decided to, to take the challenge during the week, mark that on your Connect card this morning and put your name on there so that we may pray specifically for you as well. Now, there is plenty of anxiety in life, isn't there? Farmers are experiencing anxiety right here this morning, wondering how cold it's going to get tonight or tomorrow night. Um, big decisions. Some of these students have already made those decisions. They, they know where they're going to go to college. 
they know what they're going to do. Do they know who they're going to marry? Hmm, that's a question we often ask. Is this the right person? Right? Where should I live? Which job should I take? What house should I buy? Or should I even buy one? And then as you're living your life, a disease comes along. What, what decision should we make now? Should we, should we treat it with this? Should we treat it with this? This doctor says we could do this. This doctor says that we could do this. What do we do? What's God's will? I think to stay in the middle of God's will in, the middle, in, in those situations we continue to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we love our neighbor as ourself. But we often can get paralyzed by that. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We can have confidence and peace in what we are doing when we are following Jesus first. For those going off to college, look, it's going to be important for you to find a Christian group to be with. Find someone older who has had more experience with following Jesus and ask them to help you follow Jesus as a freshman. I, someone took me under their wing when I went to the University of Wyoming and, and it quite literally just saved me. I mean, I, I had friends and I had friendships that had depth and I was challenged by things that they said. Some things that I didn't really want to hear. But they grew to love me and, and discipled me. I believe my own kids have had the same experience in having someone walk that road of life with them. Someone who, who was ahead of them in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Someone who could, could help them follow and now are doing the same for others. We all need someone to help us follow Jesus, no matter how old we are. You know, we, we can get to the point where we think we got it all figured out, and you know what? That's the moment in time when the wheels come off without us knowing it. Uh, and we need somebody to come alongside of us and tell us that the wheels are coming off or that the wheels have come off. You know, sometimes it's loud enough that you can tell. We were following a, a, a trailer on the highway yesterday, and all of a sudden there's this big loud bang. And, and we, the, those of us that were in the front kind of looked at each other and went, what was that? Oh, wow. Pickup and trailer starts pulling over, blowout on the right side of his trailer. Easy. I was sitting out here one day, a trailer came by, and Mr. Goosewell and I were sitting there visiting in the driveway, and... Uh, He's hauling a, a skid loader and some posts, really heavy trailer, tandem axle, but only single tires. And one of the tires on the right side literally comes off of the rim as he goes by us parked out here. And I looked at Craig and I said, you, th you think he, we watch him and he just goes on down the street. I'm like, um, he doesn't know that he has lost his tire. I jump, I, I see a Craig, I'm out of here. I speed down Main Street, one of the few times I feel like I can. I pull up next to him. I get his attention. I'm like, you know, he got a flat tire. He can read my lips. He pulls into Lyra's. He's like, wow, that's, it's a good thing you stopped me because that, 
existing tire wouldn't have gone much longer. I mean, we need those people in our life to say, hey, hey, all of us do. We need help following Jesus. And we are also called to be a part of Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost and be that person who can help someone follow. Um, Max Lucado shares a story in his book, Anxious for Nothing, that shows how we can apply this. Uh, In her short 13 years, Rebecca Taylor has endured more than 55 surgeries and medical procedures and approximately 1,000 days in the hospital. Kristen, Rebecca's mom, talks about her daughter's health complications. The vocabulary of most moms includes phrases such as cafeteria food, slumber party, and too much time on the phone. Kristen knows this language, but she's equally fluent in the vernacular of blood cell stints and most recently a hemorrhagic stroke. In her blog, she wrote this, this past week's new landmine was the phrase possible hemorrhagic stroke, a phrase I heard dozens of times used by numerous physicians over and over and over. That phrase filled my mind and consumed my thoughts. It was emotionally crippling. This past Sunday, our preacher, Max Lucado, started a very fitting series on anxiety. We reviewed the familiar Philippians 4-6 verse, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. She says, I presented my request to the Lord, as I had so many times before, but this time, this time, I needed more. And so using Philippians 4, 8, and 9, which we already read as a guide, I found my answer. And for those of you who are seeking the will of God and have questions and anxiety, I think this is great for all of us because we too can find comfort in this. This is what she says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. What was true in my life, she says, at this particular moment, the blessing of all family members eating dinner together. Whatever is noble, she said, the blessing of enjoying each other's presence outside of a hospital room. Whatever is right, the blessing of experiencing my two sons' daily lives. Whatever is pure, the blessing of all three children laughing and playing with each other. Whatever is lovely, the blessing of watching Rebecca sleep peacefully in her bed at night. Whatever is admirable, the blessing of an honorable team working tirelessly on Rebecca's care. If anything is excellent, the blessing of watching a miracle unfold. Ah, Two months ago, we thought my dad had a couple weeks to live. And then we hear that there's no cancer anywhere else. It's, It's just pancreatic. And that that they think radiation can do some good, which I've never heard of before. And, and last Monday, uh, early, or late, in the afternoon, late in the morning, early afternoon, Sarah and I went down to visit Dad. And you know what he'd been doing that morning? Mowing the place with the riding lawnmower. I mean, he looks better now than he has in months. What? When the doctor said, you have pancreatic cancer, it can't be cured, go home and die, what happened in his head? Guess my time is over. And then we began praying, and he began seeing people and and began 
hearing things, and what was God doing? He was doing a miracle in his life. I, you know, we're not going to have my dad forever. But obviously we're going to have him longer, or at least it feels that way. He could have a heart attack and die today. But what I do know is he continues to live. He went to church last, because I asked him, so did you watch our service last week? Nope, I went to church. Guess, guess he's done watching me for a while. <laughs> Um, look, we can, Lucado says it this way, we can pick what we ponder. We can pick what we ponder, and that's exactly what Kristen did. She took this dreaded phrase, hemorrhagic stroke, it was sucking the joy right out of her, and she went to Philippians 4, 8, and 9, and read through that and trusted that Jesus is working out those good things in her life and that she needs to maintain her focus on him. Because as we follow Jesus and trust him more and more each day, he changes our thinking. He changes our mind. We focus on him and his power and his love and the fact that he is with us to the very end of the age. And when you're asking questions as a freshman or a sophomore in college, wondering what to do with your life, you go to here, you go to the word of God, and you say, Jesus is with me. I can have confidence in that. I'm going to love the Lord my God with all of my heart, strength, soul, and mind. And Jesus is going to be right there with me. You see, we don't get to select our birthplace or our birth date. We don't choose our parents or our siblings. We don't determine the weather. Boy, do we know that around here. There are many things in life which we have no choice, but one of the greatest activities of life is well within our control, and that is controlling what we think about. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, said it this way in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The New Century Version translates it this way, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Satan knows our thinking can get us in trouble. He is always trying to mess with our minds. He comes as a thief with his sole intention of stealing and killing and destroying. And sometimes for a brief moment he succeeds And we lose our mind and say things or don't do things that we know we should or shouldn't. And we've fallen into his trap. He brings only gloom and doom. By the time he was finished with Job, the man was sick and alone. By the time he had done his work in Judas, the disciple had given up on life, took his own. The devil is to hope The devil is to hope what termites are to a house. He will chew us up from the inside. He will lead us to a sunless place and leave us there. He seeks to convince you that this world has no window, no possibility of light. Exaggerated, overstated, inflated, irrational thoughts are the devil's specialty. And I think social media is his creation. Honestly, it's a rough world out there on social media. No one will ever love me. It's all over for me. Everyone is against me. I'll never lose weight. I'll never get out of debt. I'll never have friends. 
God's will is just too impossible to know. Those are all lies. No problem is unsolvable. No life is irredeemable. No one's fate is sealed. No one is unloved or unlovable. So what do we do? We follow Jesus and we help others follow him so that they may know the hope that's there for them. We fix our thoughts on what is true, on what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. We think about things that are excellent and worth, worthy of our praise because that's God's will for us. Um, I, I just want to mention this book. I have it in my hand right here, but I took a picture of it this morning so that you could see it. Um, I wish I had thought ahead enough to get one of these for each of our seniors who were here this morning. Um, Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung, uh, a liberating, not liberal, a liberating approach to finding God's will or how to make decision, how to make a decision without dreams, visions, fleeces, impressions, open doors, random Bible verses, casting lots, liver shivers, or writing in the sky, etc. Great book. If, you, if you're struggling to make a decision about something, this would be uh, a really, it's probably nine bucks on Amazon. I don't know. I didn't look. It's God's will that no one perish. We participate in that mission. He calls us to be a part of that. It's God's will that we follow Jesus no matter what, no matter the circumstance, no matter the struggle, no matter the feeling, no matter the emotion, no matter the amazing experience. And it's God's will that we help others follow Jesus as we follow him ourselves. And as we navigate these three areas, as we keep Jesus at the center of our focus, all the rest, all of those other parts of life, What does Scripture say? Those will be added unto us. They may not fall into place as fast as we think they should. We may wish they were different. But as we trust him, they will always be the best. And that's my challenge to you graduates, to all of us adults here as we finish up this series of following Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. And and God, thank you for really the accomplishment that these students have, have completed, uh, closing the chapter on their high school life and opening, turning to the next page, the next chapter of their journey in life and with you. And Father, I pray that they would, uh, God, heed the truth of what we saw today. Help all of us, Father, to, when, when, we, when we have doubts and anxiety and we think, well, what, what if I miss God's will for me? That we would see that there is so so much more than a specific decision to your will than what we sometimes think. Father, above all, help us to follow Jesus no matter what. And now, as we close with two songs and as we take up our morning offering and as we worship you in that way, Lord, I just pray that you would draw our hearts and our minds Send us out of here with a, with a goal, with, with a, just a, a recognition that you are with us even as we leave this building and leave this town, leave this county in Jesus' name.